And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 311. We're coming at you, as always, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, Illinois, where it is a a little bit wintry, actually, for the early spring. Not really. We just got a dusting of snow. And, you know, there's one thing about the uh, transitionary seasons here in Chicago, like spring and fall. You never know when you might get a little bit of snow. It's not sticking, though, so it's it's all fine. But, um, yeah, it's really odd to be here in this... uh, you know, it's supposed to be spring. We got the second week of April, and here we're getting snow on the ground. But anyway, it, it's not its not going to be a big deal anyway. But you got to get used to that when you live in the Great Lakes. But anyway, yeah, interesting news out of Hollywood this week that uh, the Black Panther has outgrossed Titanic, is now the third highest grossing movie of all time. That's amazing. Um, obviously, the Black Panther has been the most successful Marvel movie, and... It means we're going to get more. I mean, and probably more than we want, but we're going to get more and more of of Black Panther, and maybe more like the Black Panther. Maybe it will convince Marvel that they need to, you know, let's let's come up with properties that are just as worthy. You know, maybe we'll get Power Man, Iron Fist. Maybe we'll get, you know, a good version of the Inhumans. I don't know. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see Marvel go back into their. Uh, you know, their catalog for maybe not the the A-list characters and get, you know, some of the B-list characters that have a lot of potential and do something really cool with them. They did it with Black Panther. They could certainly do it with somebody else. Uh, between Black Panther and Infinity War and the, uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie, in the next couple of months, we're going to be having a lot of stuff coming out. I, I'm nervous about that, folks, and you know how nervous I was about Ragnarok and, and whether or not that was going to be good. Yeah, let's hope that they can can maintain the quality because we're getting an awful lot of content in the next few months. An embarrassment of riches, as it were. Anyhow, uh, so um, I do apologize for having to take last week off. Well, you know, it, it was for personal reasons. I had a lot of stuff going on here. I got a lot done over the last week, so I'm not really sorry that I took that week. But you know how I hate to miss episodes. And, you know, for you podcast listeners who are listening, you didn't notice I was gone because obviously you could just download the next episode, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I do feel bad sometimes for taking those weeks off. But it's a, it's a necessary evil. And like I said, it was a productive week, so I don't feel too bad about it. All right. So we are going to shift gears a little bit this week. I was going to go and uh, go back to do some more um, of the Girl Thor series. And then I realized that the kind of the last three things we've done have been non-Thor, or at least not Marvel Thor. So I've decided to go back to a a well that we haven't drunk from for a while, specifically since episode number 159, which was back in 2014. Yes, we are going to go back to the 80s. 
um, and the post-Simonson run uh, that we have with um, uh, the DeFalco Friends run. And we're just going to do a story arc and we'll see, you know, is this something that we're going to continue with for a while or whether or not we're going to, uh, you know, do, look at different stuff. I, I do want to cover everything and it's it's always frustrating when, when you realize you can't cover everything. I could do this show for 30 years probably and not cover everything. But anyway, so uh, let's move on to our review. So this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor, issue number 392. Cover date is June of 1988. Cover price is 75 cents. Cover art is by Ron Friends and Brett Breeding on the inks. Shows Thor laying on the ground covered in sand. And lurking behind him is a female version of the Sandman, who his origin I really have no recollection of. This is one of those throwaway characters, I guess, from the 80s. And uh, she is shouting out, Lie down and die, Avenger! Quicksand kills! And Thor is saying, Nay, villain, if Thor must die this day, let it be in battle. And we get a blurb down here at the bottom that says, Plus, here comes Daredevil, the man without fear. And we get a little uh, shot of Daredevil that looks like it was drawn by Johnny Romita. Um, I wonder if that's a, if that's a, um, a Marvel clip art from uh, from the 60s actually because it actually does look like uh, Johnny Romita drawing it could be Ron's friends though just drawing like uh, you know Romita anyhow uh, we open up to the splash page where we have Stan Lee presents the mighty Thor and quicksand kills and we have the credits Tom DeFalco was the writer Ron Friends did the breakdown. Al Milgram was the finished artist, so that you can definitely see that in the art. We'll talk about that later. Uh, uh, John Workman was the letterer. Christy Scheel was the colorist. And Ralph Macchio was the editor. No editor-in-chief credit. It, it's, it's weird how that has changed over the years. Asgard, the legendary home of the Norse gods, is under siege by savage invaders. In desperate attempt to alert the mighty Thor... Hogan the Grim volunteers to journey across the treacherous dimensional seas to planet Earth. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've been here. So uh, just uh, as a reminder, remember the Rainbow Bridge had been shattered during the Simonson run. They are now dealing with consequences of that as, as Asgard is drifting further and further away from Earth. And so they had to resort to a very dangerous uh, uh, technique to... You know, to get one of the Asgardians to Earth, and Hogan was the one who volunteered for that task. Um, we are in Central Park in New York. I see the uh, Dakota Hotel, or a uh, building that looks very much like it, uh, and uh, something falling from the sky. And there's a woman in a coat going, What the? And some guy saying, It's some kind of guided missile. And then somebody who looks like Walt Simonson says, But why would anybody want to bomb Central Park? And it, uh, it turns out, of course, to be Hogan falling down like a comet and, and landing on the ground. And somebody's going, look, it's a man. Nobody human could have lived through that. And there's a cop here, and he says, you okay, buddy? Where'd you come from, says this guy. He looks like a mugger. <laughs> and um, the caption says that he was propelled by Asgardian science. 
hurled through the very fabric that separates the myriad dimensions. Hogan the Grim has barely survived his perilous journey. Severely injured on impact, his head thunders with indescribable pain, and his senses are scrambled almost beyond repair. We see he's looking kind of blurry, and um, the policeman has come up to him, and he's saying, oh, take it easy, pal. And uh, we see uh, that uh, he sees a twisted version. He sees like uh, troll warriors instead of the you know, people who are hanging around in Central Park who've kind of gathered around. Instead of concerned human faces, his fevered, damaged mind sees monsters. And they're speaking uh, some sort of weird alien hieroglyph, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, to, in reality, the cop is saying uh, he'd already called an ambulance, but Hogan's not having any of this. He is saying, uh, be gone, thou demon, unhand me. And he takes his mace and he's, he whaps the cop back and he goes running off. And there's a guy saying, that guy's crazy. The cop is thinking to himself, he could have killed me with that mace. I got to call for backup. And he yells out, stop, I'm warning you, I'll shoot. And uh, Hogan keeps running and uh, he whirls his uh, mace around and the uh, the cop is shooting at him and he's he's deflecting the bullets with his mace, which is not something I think we've ever seen before, but okay, I'll accept it. And he's thinking to himself, tiny metal projectiles, what manner of coward employs such unmanly weapons? And he starts to run across the street and uh, there's a cop car here with its lights on and... Uh, Looks like it's going to run him down, and the cop in the, the car is saying, Hold it right there, pal. Freeze! Who do you think you are? Conan the Barbarian? And Hogan thinks, Tis an armored chariot. At last, a foe worthy of my full, unfettered fury. And he takes his mace, and he smashes the cop car literally in half with a wa-boom! And you see the cop diving for safety, and the car is destroyed. It's interesting that, you know, if... He thinks it's an armored chariot that it's a worthy opponent. So is, is that what Hogan's idea of a worthy opponent is? I don't know. Anyway, we shift back to Asgard, where the caption says, at that precise moment, an incalculable, unknowable distance away. I guess just gets them around the fact that they can't tell you how far away they are. And we come across uh, the other two warriors, three. We have... Volstagg and Fandral, and they are in the vizier's uh, quarters. And we have Balder, of course. And Balder, at this point, is the ruler of Asgard, if you recall, uh, having taken over from Odin after he defeated Surtur and fell down that big old crack. You remember that? And uh, Volstagg is speaking here. Hast thy sorcery accomplished its impossible task, noble vizier? Has it successfully sped Hogan to Midgard? Or is our valiant comrade now lost amid the myriad dimensions? I cannot answer thee, enormous one. I only know that Hogan still lives. Behold yon flickering flame. I have united it with his life force. It shall burn as long as he doth breathe. And uh, we see the Fandral is um, is uh, kind of hanging out there, too. They're, they're drawn to look kind of Kirby-ish and... Except for the vizier, who looks very John Buscema-ish. I think that's because, really, the vizier became a character after Kirby left the book. So he's one that uh, we really... That's the, the view that we kind of associate with the character. What madness possessed us to send Hogan on such a hopeless quest, says Balder. Even if he should find the mighty Thor, they have no way of returning to Asgard now that the Rainbow Bridge is no more. 
Have faith, gentle Balder, says Fandral. They will not fail us. And we shift back to Earth, and uh, we have the uh, the construction site where last issue, now remember this was way back in Radio Free Asgard, episode number 159, where Thor and Spider-Man fought the Mongoose. Um, we have the uh, the developer here, um, I, Mr. James Lee is his name. And we have uh, Thor in his uh, civilian identity as Sigurd Jarlson, Jerry, who is the, the foreman here. And he goes... Uh, and the, the architect or the developer, or whatever, is uh, is kind of this Don King kind of of character with weird hair, or J- maybe James Brown kind of character. Anyway, he's like, "I'm ruined. My professional life is over. My beautiful building, my masterpiece, was damaged beyond repair in that recent fight with Spider-Man and Thor. Now what shall I do? How will I survive? Uh, try to look on the bright side, Mister James Lee. The building is heavily insured." And now the owners can't hold you responsible for missing your completion date. You're right, the, the guy says he perks up. They'll never learn about my numerous cost overruns either. I can scrap this monstrosity and start over. I can create a new work of art, a new testament to the genius of Aloysius R. Jamesley. Jerry, it'll take months for the insurance company to settle. How will you support yourself until then, says Sigurd. No problem, Sigurd. Eric Masterson, the architect, called earlier and said he may have a job for us. I'm going over to see him now. Care to tag along? Why not, says Sigurd. Uh, and Eric Masterson is a uh, important character, as we will find out in the uh, very near future. So Sigurd and Jerry are at the door, and a woman answers, and she says, You must be Jerry Sapristi. Right, and this is Sigurd Jarlson. Are you Eric's wife? Goodness, no. I'm only Susan Austin, Eric's executive assistant. Please come in. Can I take your bag? She says to Sigurd, who has a, like a gym bag. And Sigurd's like, uh, no, that won't be necessary. And they meet uh, uh, Eric Masterson, who is this guy who is, uh, he's got red hair. And he has a broken leg and he's on crutches. He's got a limping around here. Jerry says, uh, how's it going, Eric? What's the word on your bum leg? The doc says it'll be good as new in a few weeks. Good to hear it. And there's a little kid here who says, Hey, Dad, who's the big guy? I don't believe you gentlemen have met my son, Kevin. Gee, mister, I bet you're almost as tall as Captain America. Actually, I'm a few inches taller, says Sigurd. Really? I never lie. And uh, there's a uh, phone ringing here, and the uh, the Susan person answers it, and she tells um, Eric Masterson, it's Marcy. And uh, he picks up the phone. Yeah, what is it now? And she's whispering to uh, Jerry here, because we need exposition, so of course we're going to get it. Marcy is Sarek's ex-wife. She recently remarried and wants custody of Kevin. Oh, gee, says Jerry. Trouble is, Eric can't escape the feeling that Kevin might be better off in a real family with both a father and a mother. If you don't mind me saying, Miss Austin, Kevin seems to have the makings of a fine family right here. If only Eric were as perceptive as you, Mr. Sapristi. She uh, is pointing out that uh, uh, the kid is playing with, with Sigurd. and Yeah, so basically, yeah. That. And Eric Masterson slams the phone down and he's a blast, that miserable... Is something wrong, Dad? Says Kevin. No, son, nothing you have to worry about. 
Uh, Jerry, I... Forget it. Just tell me about this new job you got lined up for us. And Susan looks at her watch and she says, Excuse me, Eric, but you're supposed to be meeting with your client in half an hour to discuss your final bid. Why don't you take Jerry and Mr. Jarlson with you so that they can see the proposed construction site? Sounds like a good idea to me, says Jerry. Can I go too, says Kevin. No, little man, you're stuck here with me. Some guys have all the luck, says Eric. Sigurd is thinking to himself, Eric Masterson is truly immortal to be envied. His son is strong and healthy, and he possesses all the comforts a man could desire. And yet I sense intense pain and anguish in his future. Why? Why? Well, maybe because we know this. Anyway, um, we shift scenes and we are across town and we have the SWAT team and the police and they are trying to stop Hogan, uh, who is rampaging his way across New York City. And uh, we have a cop here saying, we've got to stop that maniac before he can endanger any more innocent lives. We're doing our best, Sarge, but this character is tougher than a human bulldozer. Gee, where have we heard that before? Look out! He's raising that blasted mace! And Hogan uh, takes his mace and he slams it on the ground and he does the sort of Thor's hammer shockwave thing and knocks all the, all the police and SWAT team people over. And he wades in, swinging his mace. Flee, demons! Flee before the terrible wrath of Hogan the Grim! I have no wish to slay you, but I will if I must. And he scatters them all and they're going running away... And Hogan is um, you know, trying to stop more people from coming. And he takes his mace and um, there's a, uh, like a big sign over the, uh, on a building. It's like, a, I don't know, it's a sign for a bar. It's something called Grasky's or something like that. Like a, I'm not sure, but it's a, uh, like a sign. And uh, he takes his mace and he flings it like Thor would fling his hammer. And it smashes the sign and it knocks it over on... The, under the sidewalk, which separates him from the uh, cops who are trying to shoot at him. Uh, and uh, he says, Nothing can keep me from completing my sacred quest. I must find the son of Odin. I must locate the mighty Thor. I dare not fail. The fate of eternal Asgard is at stake. And uh, we have a scene here, while all this is going on, to, to a few blocks away, it says in the caption, says, uh, Hell's Kitchen Hotline Clinic, whatever that means. And the people are running around. Are those gunshots? Did a gas main explode? Is it arson? Sounds like World War Three. And inside this clinic is a uh, guy, he's a uh, red-haired guy who's wearing sunglasses and uh, he has a white cane. Uh, so that indicates that he's blind. And of course, we know who this is. This is Matt Murdock. And we can tell it's Matt Murdock because his shadow is Daredevil. Uh, his shadow has uh, you know, little horns on his head. So unless he's having a bad hair day, they're taking some artistic license. <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and Murdock is thinking to himself, I hear weapons firing and people shouting in panic. And I want to know why. And uh, we shift scenes yet again, and we are with Eric Masterson and Sigurd Urelson and uh, with Jerry Sapristi, and they are in a cab, and a checker cab, actually, and they are going to a nuclear power plant, and there are a bunch of protesters outside. Yeah, they have signs that say things like, have you hugged your mutant today? And heck no, we won't glow. And uh, they're, they're shouting, close the plant! Close the plant. 
Nuclear power is hazardous to our health. Think of what you're doing to our property values. And the people inside the uh, cab are talking about it. Hey, Eric, why didn't you tell us you were taking us to a nuclear power plant? I didn't think it mattered. My bid is only for a new office building that the power company wants to construct. And they go inside the, um, uh, the property, and they're going into the building, and Jerry says, I'm not sure I want any part of this job. I just wouldn't feel safe working on the same site as a nuclear reactor. Relax, Jerry, says Eric. The reactor hasn't been activated yet. And a, and a voice comes from uh, the, beside them. And it won't be until we get full government approval. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am Adam Peters, the plant's director of operations. I apologize for all the commotion at the front gate. But the public has certain irrational fears about the dangers of nuclear energy. Frankly, Mr. Peters, says Sigurd, I share some of those fears. As do we all, Mr. Masterson. But I do believe that you are here to discuss a construction bid. And a voice comes from uh, beyond, and it's a um, woman in a magenta sort of top. It's kind of a, it's kind of a very '80s design, late '80s design of kind of a flap over the front. I I remember that look, and I actually kind of like that look. And uh, she says, "Yes, a bid which is destined to be rejected." And Eric uh, says, uh, "Well, well, look who's here." The esteemed and always steamy Jackie Lucas. I'll take that as a compliment, blue eyes. Now scram so that a real architect can get down to business. What kind of business did you have in mind? Wouldn't you like to know? You're a mess, mister. Didn't anyone ever teach you how to properly tie a tie? Because uh, Eric is dressed kind of casually. He's not uh, wearing a tie. Guess not. By the way, thanks for sending me that get well card. No problem. Gotta keep the competition healthy as well as neat and tidy. I didn't realize that you were also bidding on this project. Things could get interesting. Very interesting. We shift to the outside of the plant where we have a mysterious stranger. And uh, it's uh, somebody in a trench coat and a slouch hat. And uh, they come up and uh, she says, it's a woman, you can tell. You fools are wasting your time with your stupid signs and peaceful protest marches. The owners of this power plant will respond to only one thing. And that's power. And she blasts outward uh, with, with, she's made of sand, like the Sandman. Uh, she blasts the fence down and sends the protesters flying and the guards. And uh, she says, the power of quicksand. And the people are running away. Run, that's one of those muty freaks. Our property values just hit bottom, says one of the people. We shift to the inside of the plant, and the alarm is going off. It's going, wee! And the, uh, the power plant guy is like, oh my, there's trouble at the front gate. You people had better get inside the main building for your own safety. It must be those crazy protesters. Our security forces will restore order. And uh, Jerry's like, sheesh, I knew I didn't want anything to do with this place. And Eric uh, is looking around. He says, wait, isn't Sigurd? Sigurd isn't with our group. We've got to find him. You're on crutches, blue eyes, says the other architect. This is no time to play hero. Jackie's right, Eric. Listen to her. Don't worry about Sigurd. I've known him a while. Believe me, that's one guy who can take care of himself. And we see Sigurd has uh, wandered off into an alleyway or behind a building or something. And he has taken his hammer out of his um, bag. And he hammers it on the ground. 
and he becomes Thor. And so we have um, a next scene here where Quicksand is using her hair like a helicopter propeller to um, yeah to whip her, her sand around, uh, kind of like a helicopter. And he's knocking all the protesters and guards and things out of the way. And it says, elsewhere at that very instant, Quicksand triumphantly storms toward the main building, crushing anyone who attempts to block her path. Out of my way, you witless clods. Your puny weapons cannot stop one who possesses the power of a living elemental. The fools at the gate called me a mutant, but they're wrong. I used to be as human as they, but a nuclear accident changed that. It altered my atomic structure and transformed me into a hideous monster. But I shall have my revenge. And there's a kaboom uh, coming uh, from behind her. And it is Thor. There's a lightning bolt has hit the ground and it's made a shock wave and it's kind of knocking people down. And the guards are like, oh, what happened? A bolt of lightning struck the ground and forced her to release us. We have a full page here of Thor kind of leaping out from behind a very dead-looking tree. I don't know if he killed it or... <laughs> maybe he killed it with the lightning. But uh, he, he's just leaping out from behind a dead tree and towards quicksand. And uh, Thor says... Stand fast, woman. Never again will you attack a helpless victim. So swears the son of Odin, the mighty Thor. So, you're the one responsible for the lightning. Stay back, Thunder God. I'm warning you. Not even you possess enough power to survive the cataclysmic savagery of quicksand. And uh, Thor takes his hammer and basically smashes her apart using his hammer, but she recongeals and wraps herself around Thor. Strong words, woman, and many have uttered such threats and live to regret them. And as he, as he scatters her, her sand, he's like, what manner of sorcery? She is exploding into a mass of sand. Now, I'm surprised that, that Thor wouldn't say, gosh, she's just like the Sandman, because, I mean, hasn't Thor fought the Sandman? I'm pretty sure he has. Anyway... So, uh, yeah, she, he's being wrapped around by these tentacles made of sand. Yes, Thunder God, a mass of sand which can instantly reform and trap you within a grip of concrete. And she, I guess, turns into concrete, but uh, Thor breaks it with a cracked and it breaks out of the concrete. And Thor says, what is concrete when compared to the indescribable strength of my immortal limbs? Surrender, woman. I have no wish to harm you. You egotistical, arrogant fool, do you really think you can defeat me? Just look how easily I render your fabled strength useless. Odd's blood, she has become a living sandstorm, says Thor, and she is whirling around him you know, just like a living sandstorm, like he's in a sand of tornado or something. And there's a sound effect, froosh! Right, and I can easily direct my sand to strike you in your most vulnerable spot, which apparently is the top of his head uh, or the base of his neck because that's kind of where the sand is all going. But anyway, and Thor's like, my eyes. But the sand doesn't look like it's going in his eyes. But anyway, you may as well stop struggling, she says. Now that I have blinded you, you are completely helpless, Thunder God. No power in the universe can save you now. And she recongeals into her, uh, her human form and smashes the ground next to Thor, very Sandman-like, knocks him down. And Thor says, You are wrong, woman. The son of Odin is never helpless. 
Not so long as he doth wield his enchanted hammer. He taps his hammer twice on the ground, and you all know what happens when he does that. Yes, it starts to pour down rain. It's a yeah, thunderstorm going on. Thor says, Behold the storm which I have summoned to wash away thy offending sand and cleanse my pain-filled eyes. And now that my sight has returned, I can strike for justice and victory. And he takes uh, Mjolnir and he throws it at Quicksand. She manages to dodge the hammer and they are going uh, hand to hand here, or hand to stand as the case may be. And uh, Thor is fighting her uh, up close and he says, I beg thee to surrender, to end this farce. It is unseemly for a warrior of Asgard to raise his hands against a frail woman. You call that a pun, she says. I think you're holding back. And, uh, yeah, he's not really doing a lot of damage to her. His fist is just going right through her. I think you're a chivalrous pig. And uh, she she turns her hands like in these big hammers and just kind of whapping him with them with a wham. And that your outdated morality will soon be the end of you. And, he, you know, she's, she's attacking him and he's not really fighting back. Um, and uh, she says, at least try to defend yourself before I beat you to a bloody pulp. And uh, she swacks him, knocks him back. And Thor's thinking to himself, she doesn't realize that I'm allowing her to strike me so that she will remain solid until I can devise a plan to defeat her. And we then shift scenes. We are back in the city again on top of a building, looks like. Or it's not a bridge? No, it's not a bridge. He's on top of a building. And uh, Hogan has climbed up and... I guess somebody, cops or whatever, is screaming, stop him, don't let him escape. And they're, they're shooting at him. And Hogan is saying, my enemies seek to slay me with their puny projectiles. But Hogan the Grim is no helpless target. And he takes uh, his, his mace and he smashes off a bit of the building and throws it down on the sidewalk with a crackoom and you know, sends the people scattering around. And he's talking to himself, there. Mayhap that will gain me the respite I so sorely seek. My head doth pound with a savage fury. Madly doth the world spin around me. But I cannot fail my people. I must complete my mission. But that is not to be because, as uh, he says that, somebody comes swinging in from the left side of the panel, somebody dressed all in red. think we recognize this gentleman as Daredevil. And it says, before the dazed Asgardian can catch his breath, playtime's over, pal. I take real exception to people who try to dismantle my neighborhood. And Daredevil comes and kicks uh, him in the face with a thwack, knocks uh, Hogan down, and he goes, arg. Who are you, says Daredevil? What do you want? Why are you battling the police? Talk to me. There's a chance I can help you. And Hogan's thinking to himself, what manner of creature is this? And he doesn't understand what Daredevil is saying, and it shows what Hogan is seeing. He's seeing a warrior who is all red and carrying a big pitchfork. He's like in this almost destroyer-like armor, and yeah, speaking some kind of foreign gibberish. He is a devil demon, a warrior monster from the darkest depths of Hades. Begone, thou demon! Thou cannot keep me from the mighty Thor! And uh, Daredevil kind of bounces out of the way of, of Hogan's mace, which has been thrown at him. And uh, he's thinking to himself, he's after Thor. Who boy. Barely managed to avoid that object he threw at me. It seems to be shaped like some kind of ancient battle mace, but it packs the power of a battering ram. And Daredevil kind of flips around and kicks Hogan in the belly. And he says, oh, 
Kicking him is like smashing my legs into the side of an armored car. I almost broke both ankles. Something tells me I'm about to face the fight of my life. And uh, yeah, Hogan doesn't seem too uh, staggered by Daredevil. And we shift back to where Thor is fighting Quicksand at the power plant. Give it up, Blondie. No power on Earth can stand against the irresistible force of Quicksand. And uh, we have the three um, supporting cast here inside the, the power plant. Yeah, Jerry says, uh, hurry, we got to get out of here. But where's Sigurd, says Eric. We must find him. Forget him, Eric, and start worrying about yourself, says Jackie. The whole building's coming down around us. And just as they say that, Quicksand and Thor come crashing through the wall with a caroom. And Jerry's like, oh, no, the wall. And Eric uh, is, is kind of pushed back, and he pushes Jackie aside, says, Jackie, look out. They're smashing through. And Thor is landed on the floor inside the power plants, and he says, You possess unbelievable power, woman, but it is nothing when compared to the lightning, which is mine to command. And Quicksand is thinking to herself, This fight could go on for days, unless I can separate him from that blasted hammer. Wait, those people! I can use them to defeat Thor. And Jackie is uh, pulling Eric out of the, uh, the, the ruins, out of the, the rubble, and we see uh, Jerry is lying there. And uh, he, Eric is saying, What are you doing, Jackie? Run, save yourself. I'm not leaving you behind, Blue Eyes. You aren't much, but you're the only decent competition I've got. That's real touching, honey, but you should have listened to him when he had the chance. And we see that uh, Quicksand is using her sand power to pin them to the wall. Like, uh, like it's like a uh, sandblasting, but it's just kind of sanding them to the wall, as it were. I, it's, I don't know what it's supposed to be doing. It would kind of rip them apart, you would think. Anyway, uh, they're saying, the sand, it's crushing me. Stop it. Stop it. You're killing her. Release them, villain, says Thor. The son of Odin commands thee. They are two innocents and must not be harmed. Sure, I'll be glad to let them go, says Quicksand, just as soon as you drop your hammer. You wish me to relinquish my enchanted mallet, says Thor. So be it. But beware, the power of Mjolnir cannot be restrained. And he throws the hammer away and smashes through the wall where... Uh, Eric and uh, Jackie are, and it frees them from um, from Quicksand's uh, abilities. The, the fight continues inside, and they're going back and forth as, as they have been. You must think you're pretty tricky, Thunder God. Well, I have a few tricks of my own, like blasting your feet out from under you. And, um, <laughs> and she knocks over Thor, and we see the Mjolnir is kind of returning to him at the same time. And uh, she says, Ha! I hit you with the exact moment that your hammer was returning to your hand so that you lost your balance and your grip at the same time. I've done it. I finally separated you from your precious hammer. All I have to do is keep blasting and blasting. It's only a matter of time before you strangle. Not even a thunder god can breathe sand. It's over. I've won. Quicksand has beaten the mighty Thor. And we have a... To be continued, and things look pretty dire here. Next issue, Thor versus Quicksand and Hogan versus Daredevil. Need we say more? Well, we are going to say more. Uh, we're going to tell you what we think about this issue, uh, but we're going to do so right after this message. Star Trek. 
comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we are back. So we just uh, have a few words here about this issue. It is, again, you know, an era that we haven't covered for a while. Interesting, you know, going back to this kind of storytelling after doing something as decompressed as Ragnarok. But, yeah, so much happens in this issue. Uh, It really is uh, a lot going on here. Um, I don't know what the deal with this quicksand character is. And I would think, like I said earlier, I think that, that Thor would have recognized the similarity to the Sandman and said something about it. I, d- I don't actually know anything about the character. So, you know, I don't know if she's stuck around or she's still around the Marvel Universe. You know, maybe she'll be in one of the movies. I don't know. But anyway, seems like kind of a minor villain to me. Yeah, interesting. Uh, very, very much of a Silver Age type of plot. You know, kind of mixed in there. They, they're They're kind of continuing some of the... In supporting cast and a little bit of the the setup of you know Sigurd Jarlson and things that you know that, that Simonson introduced into the book. It's been a while since we've explored in this area, so yeah, interesting to be back here. Um, the art in general it suffers a little bit from heavy inking. Now, Al Milgram is one of those inkers that tends to transform the people he's inking. I, I know I've talked in the past when we've we've covered other issues of the series that by and large, I like the way that, that Ron Friends draws. Uh, you know, he does this sort of Buscema, Sinnet, Thor um, kind of, of, of a look to the book. But at the same time, he's not afraid to, to channel Kirby once in a while when, when it's needed. And, and sometimes it really is needed. Um, so I, you know, by and large, I like the artwork, but I don't like Al Milgram's inks. I think that they kind of muddy things. There's some places where the inks aren't too bad. For example, the scenes of, um, of Hogan fighting Daredevil, I, I think that they work pretty well there. But on, on the other hand, you know, the, the backgrounds are almost non-existent. We really don't get much of anything. A lot of the backgrounds in this issue are sand, but I think that's because we actually have Ron Friends just doing thumbnails and he's leaving it to, to Milgram to do the backgrounds for him. Now, there's some exceptions to this where we actually have buildings in the background, and, uh, but, but by and large, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a crapshoot when it comes to the backgrounds and the, anything but the figures. But the figures look really good, so I can't really complain too much. Story-wise, uh, you know, it, it is something we've seen before. You know, we have an Asgardian being sent to Earth to find Thor, blah, blah, blah. We've seen that before several times. But in this case, we actually have Hogan being a bit discombobulated, and, that, and that's adding this little extra element of, of danger and a threat here. You know, he's an Asgardian. He's incredibly powerful. 
and he thinks that he's being surrounded by monsters. Now he's not thinking right because you know it's a very dangerous trip. He landed, hit his head, whatever, and so you know he doesn't realize. Hey, wait a minute! They, we don't have that kind of monsters on Earth, and so he's um, just kind of going crazy. Yeah, Hogan seems to be one of those characters that uh, the writers love to pick on. We've had him you know, fall ill several times in the past, and I think we even had him pretty much died in Thor Volume 3. But uh, here we go. We have him just kind of being uh, a little bit out of his head uh, while this is all going on. The look of Jerry. This is, this is one of the big differences in the way that Simonson drew him and the way he's being drawn here. There's this tendency when you have a supporting character who's in the comic for a while, is the characters start to become better looking. And Jerry, when Simon Syndrome was kind of this dumpy guy, kind of a, an older guy, balding. And here he's got, you know, luxuriant hair. He's much younger looking. You know, he, he doesn't look like this kind of squat, heavy set guy that we, we uh, were introduced to back when Simonson was, was drawing the book. Kind of a, a weird introduction uh, you know of Eric Masterson I know we met him in a couple of issues ago during this run we really haven't developed what makes him Eric Masterson yet of course we know that he's going to take over his store eventually in, in this run but uh, right now we just have him as a supporting character and I guess you know we don't you know, we're not supposed to realize that I mean it's the hindsight that makes it weird that uh, say, oh yeah, Eric Masters, he becomes Thor later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so the story, you know, it's fine. You know, it's it's typical late '80s Marvel. It's better than a lot of the stuff that was on the shelf at the time. And I I would say that uh, it's better than some of the um, you know stuff that's being published today. Uh, it's, yeah, but, but it's it's a fine story and and it's it's reasonably well told. All right, so with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on the Facebook. Just go to Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge. Well, no, not really, because the Rainbow Bridge doesn't exist anymore. Jumping across from Asgard to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio free Asgard. We'll see you next time. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>